Hey everyone, welcome to this talk um, from nihilism to Catholicism. Uh, it could have been titled uh, from nihilism to Christianity, but uh, from nihilism to Catholicism is really to do with my own specifics. Um, the reason I'm doing this talk now is in the coming months, I want to produce a series which is going to be called um, An Introduction to Christianity. And the, and the way that the this series that I'm planning on doing is going to differ is that it's not really going to focus on like here's how to completely 100% prove this to you as if like trying to arm wrestle people over right it's not going to be to do with that um, of course the events of Christ's life and the events of Christianity and the history will 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 make an appearance but really the series is going to be to do with themes such as grace faith good and evil uh, and understanding these things in, in in a much more I would say approachable manner um, and there's a lot of reasons I want to do this series um, but but one of them is that and what one of the reasons I'm doing this talk is that often nowadays online and and in various writings and things like this, you, you find two positions. And, and of course, you find these two positions. You find atheism and you find belief of, of all of all types, people who believe in God or gods, okay? And the problem with these two sides in a way, in the way that these debates and these talks are approached, is that the atheists begin from atheist presuppositions, often really without investigating theology all that much, and then they just defend from their own bubble. And, the, and faith and believers and people who believe in God uh, quite rightly so for both sides begin from their own presuppositions and begin from their own bubble and I, I think really the difficulty that so many things have is uh, and so many things that are trying to find some way of uh, understanding so to speak is that what what's happening in that leap between the two positions and that's the point that's rarely ever um, rarely ever taken on and people don't don't, don't try to, to to understand or to to theorize or yeah just understand that leap um i know i'm not trying to sell the book here everybody knows you can get the pdf for free anyway but my own book be not afraid did try in a fictional way to try uh, help people understand how that 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 leap was made from atheist nihilist to um to a believer to to a christian um but I did want to, I rarely do this, but so this is more to do with my own journey before I, um, before I do this series. And the reason I want to talk about my own journey is just so I guess people understand where I'm coming from, but also, um, from, from all my writings on modernity and all my work in philosophy and modernity and things like that, I want to just give some insight into how that position evolved and how I went from really what was a nihilist to uh, to a Catholic. Um, do I think that specifically the Catholic thing matters all that much for this talk? Uh, not massively. You could you could you could really retitle this as nihilist to Christian, though it wouldn't be entirely true, which is why I've titled it as it is. But the reason is that when I do this series, um, this introduction to Christianity, um, more and more people have been asking me to do things with 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 like audience participation or just you know things where I do a video and then we chat and there's a Q and A afterwards. So. If people would be interested in this, and hopefully they will be, interested in this series, Introduction to Christianity, which is really more about how to approach the faith. So my point with that is, is everybody has all the resources at their fingertips, quite literally. You could go onto Google, you could search everything to do with any religion you want. 
You can search anything to do with Christianity. You can find every single commentary on the Passion or the Apostles or whatever it is you want. You could find that. And for people who might be thinking, well, I kind of wish I could have faith or I wish I could have this thing that you people, you guys have, um, but they just can't seem to make that leap. And that's because, in my own opinion, it's because the leap is still spoken about in the same theoretical terms. So you're still talking theoretically. And so, so people sort of, people who read a lot or look into things a lot or investigate things a lot, they'll think, well, yeah, I've read all this, but I still can't really quite make it. I mean, how, how does that happen? And I guess this is why I wanted to, to, to start with this talk, which isn't something, as I said, it's not something I do all that often is talk about my own journey, but my own journey is really so imbued with my own thoughts on modernity um, and my own, you know, history with philosophy that I, that I, it, that is something I wanted to do. And if anyone is interested in this idea, um, this series introduction to Christianity and would like to think of a way that I could make it more of an audience thing, what I was thinking at the moment is I will release a video, like the first one will be on grace. I'll release a video and then perhaps, you know, the next day at the same time, uh, I can create a chat room and we can go in and we can chat about grace. Or I could do it in a way where we're already in the chat room. I give the talk on grace and then we have a Q&A afterwards and just talk about these things. Um, but really this first one is just to outline how that, how that journey, um, can take place. So I guess in a way, this is really for two audiences in a way, um, it's for atheists who might be thinking, boy, I don't see how anyone could ever, and this is how I thought when I was 17, when I was about 13 to 21, this is definitely how I thought, which was, I don't see how anyone could ever make that leap. You know, my 17 year old self would be, you know, uh, just absolutely moaning and whining and in a rage that I ever even set foot in a church. Um, let alone, you know, got baptized, confirmed and <laughs> go regularly and, 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 and believe in God, basically. Uh, and on the other hand, it's also for, I guess, for, for Catholics and for people who perhaps have always been in the faith who also don't have that understanding of why people wouldn't or what is it that's stopping people from from entering the faith and not having that understanding. So once again, it's to do with that leap. Um, it's to do with how once you're completely um, striated and, and fortified, to use the language of, of some of the saints, fortified in one of those positions, your inability to then look and empathize or sympathize, I should say, with, with the positions of the other side uh, is sort of um, nulled a little bit. It's dulled down and often it's gone altogether. So you just can't see through that, 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 that wall. And, and, and often it's because you don't want to, because you're so certain of your position, especially I certainly was when I was an atheist that there, you'd think, well, there's absolutely, you know, there's no reason why I'd even look at this stuff anyway. So why are we even bothering? And so really I would ask people if you're on either position or you've already got these presuppositions of, of what this talk's going to be, um, maybe put them to a side because I'm not really here to, I'm not here to sell anyone on anything because I remember when I was an atheist, a militant atheist, I would even say I was a militant anti-theist. I definitely was. I, I know that there was, there was, there was nothing really that could push me, uh, to, to move my position to believe in God. Right. So, which is all the more bemusing and befuddling as to how I uh, ended up here. And so in a sense, I would like to say, I'm not here to try win anyone over because I know full well from my own experience that you can't be arm wrestled over that, 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 that often there's no amount of 
a theoretical or, or, or textual stuff that I could put in front of your face or argumentation that I could do that suddenly you're going to make someone go, ah, yeah, right. I suddenly believe, okay, that's a different thing altogether. And it's really uh, embroiled in, in what happens in this process of the leap and the realizations of things going on in the world. And, and the way to the way to see them and the, and, the, and the major problems which are really happening for people when um, when they do make this leap so really I'm, I'm gonna it is a bit of bi- biography in a way like a short biography of my life as to and and I would say the biography of um, an average young Western man and likely women as well of someone who is completely um, you know, in the same way that you have cradle Christians and cradle Catholics and cradle Orthodox, cradle believers, people who've just been in the faith since day one by their parents and brought up in it. You also have cradle materialists. You have people who've been brought up in the materialist world and, and know very little outside of it. And, and it has exactly the same, uh, pull and draw and, uh, tie downs as, as, as any religion does. Um, and, and there is no such thing as a vacuum in nature and there's no such thing as a vacuum in human nature. Humans will, um, head towards a belief system, even if they think it, it's the anti-belief system. It still has its rituals, its habits, its uniforms, its whatever you want to call it. Uh, the materialist consumerist Western worldview most certainly is a religion of its own color. Um, and it has its own, it have its, uh, own beliefs and its own ways of doing things. So really like, you know, for me to, for me to begin this, I have to begin right at the very beginning, which is when I was a very young little man. Um, I was brought up in a Church of England school. Now, no, it wasn't uh, private, like it wasn't paid for. This is, is a state school, you know, public school. You go there, I was very working class um, and, you know, people of all age ranges, sorry, of all abilities was age ranges, whatever. Uh, the two schools actually that happened to, to of, of the youngest age range where I lived were both named after saints. Um, so they were both technically Church of England, and this isn't like some diatribe against Church of England, but really my my lack of faith began because I was uh, placed into um, a a religious religious school, and it's not actually because it was so forced upon me. Like some people, this is definitely their story that they went to a religious school. It was so forced upon them that as as soon as they 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 entered adulthood, they just left completely and they wanted no more to do with it. Very, very common. Um, but, but mine is really, um, a form of education, which I think is more pertinent, more, um, more, um, upsetting in a way and more destructive in a way. Um, so it was a church of England school. We said the Lord's prayer every morning, though we were never told what in the world the Lord's prayer actually means. Uh, we did harvest festival and we did a couple of other little things. I mean, we didn't even do feet washing, which is one of the so, uh, sacraments that the, some Protestant places uh, still do. So it, it was, it was a religious school in, in pretty much in name. Now this isn't a, um, an attack on the teachers. What really the point of this is, is to, to do with my journey is to do with, this is probably the key point in, in the journey of most people falling away from the faith, from faith and from God in the modern world. It's simply this, that the faith that they were taught, they were, the, the way they were taught to have faith, the way they were taught what God is, the way they were taught what Christianity is, or probably many other religions as well, 
quite literally was not and is not what Christianity is, okay? So I was given an education regarding Christianity where God was the big man in the sky, okay? And that was pretty much the extent of it. We weren't really taught the deeper meanings to the teachings of Christ. They, I, th- I, I personally believe they're pretty much self-evident to most people. And I think once you find faith, you realize that what is written on your conscience, the, re- the reason you have conscience or pangs of conscience, as many people say, when you know you've done right or wrong, uh, isn't, ne- isn't to do with some social uh, teaching of nurture. I don't believe that at all. I, I, I don't believe that people need to be taught uh, not to kill, for instance. I was never really taught not to kill. These things were self-evident, and I believe they are for most people, you know, and, 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 uh, and, and, and things along these lines. Of course, there's more nuance when you come to the teachings of Christ about humility, poverty, uh, chastity, and things like this. But once again, these weren't taught it was like this this it was it was christianity as long as it um fit with the general modern presumptions of the world but the problem is the modern presumptions of the world don't really have a teleology or a, a rooted value system which can lead you to anything of contentment there's no ultimate aims or goals for things okay so the general um accepted values of the modern world all revolve around personal pleasure and we'll probably get I'll probably get to why this is had to do with fun um, enjoyment pleasure hedonism um, and and sort of like relaxation okay these you know why would you want anything else other than these things these aren't great things to teach to to young people simply because these are the things that young people would do when when left to their own devices and it, you end up not really doing anything you don't get taught not to sound like a broken record of many of the the, the online gurus these days but you don't get taught things to do with uh, beauty larger values such as taking responsibility and why they might be um, important. And the, the, the difficulty in talking about this this young, uh, this, this early part of my life is it's very difficult to pin down just exactly what was taught. So, you know, one instance is that, okay, the school was named after a saint. I'm not going to say which saint because I'd rather not put all the personal details in here. But the school was named after a saint and we were never once told who that saint is, what the journey is, what the point of them is. You know, they, they, they was a fairly big saint, as you can imagine, if a school's named after it, uh, after them. And, you know, that, that was really the extent of it. So what you really end up with is, is modern materialist Western education, which is basically socialization. Uh, schooling teaches you very, very little stuff. I mean, I would ask you all, unless you went to something like, um, a very specific school, such as maybe a, a Catholic school or a Jewish school or something like that, where, where the, the, the education was tailored around a rooted value system. Um, or you went to maybe something like a Steiner school, etc. If you went to one of the generic public schools, I would ask you all to actually think back to what it exactly is that you were taught. What can you actually remember? Was anything of any use? Um, the answer for myself, I can't speak to everyone else, but the answer for myself is I can't think of much at all that I was taught. So, but it begs the question, okay, so what exactly was happening in those 16 years? And really the question is, and it's the defense of modern schooling uh, and modern uh, yeah, modern Western education in general, when it's criticized from that position of, well, you're not actually teaching anything practical is, well, we need the social aspects, right? Which is, by the way, complete nonsense. Um, it's nonsense because when you're in class, you're told to be entirely silent for most of the time. So that's 
that out of the window, which means out of the six to eight hours of the schooling day, you're given roughly 45 minutes to actually socialize. So it's not to do with socialization. It's what, well, sorry, it's not to do with socializing. It's to do with socialization. And they will transparently, uh, educators will say it's to do with socialization. Now what's socialization? Socialization is simply put teaching people, programming people to be able to uh, fit in in the world. It's a process of uh, elongated normalization, okay? Just, you know, cutting away the rough edges of anything of spontaneity or individuality and making sure you fit within the certain spectrums of thought and individuality and creativity that, that are applicable and acceptable within the modern world. Of course, a certain amount of this has to happen because we have to get on together within the world. But the problem is, is when you have um, value systems, which are of something else, something beyond something above, this doesn't exactly fit in well because the values of the socialization process, um, enjoyment, fun, hedonism, going on holidays, making sure the economy keeps turning, don't always fit in with the values of these, um, older, truthful, uh, value systems such as, you know, humility, poverty, etc. And so what you end up with is really Christianity or whatever, you could put whatever religion you want in there really, is stripped bare of any of the content, which means it could be quite, um, uh, fiery, <laughs> something which would really, um, anchor you in life and give you a position to take, um, against or for certain things. Because of course, with Christianity, you are taught, um, to put God before everything. And so that doesn't really fit in with schooling because then if a teacher or certain educator says something which is against Christianity, you then have this transcendent value system where you'd say, well, actually, that doesn't, I don't agree with that, which is not something you get to say in public schooling. And so what you end up with is Christianity rip bare and you're just left with the parts which fit in, uh, which isn't really anything, um, unfortunately. So you end up just, just going through school. And, and, and unfortunately, what you're really left with in terms of education regarding what Christianity is, is the modern, um, uh, token gesture towards Christianity that, oh, it's a big man in the sky and he tells people what to do and these people would be awful if it wasn't for this and etc. etc. It's mostly nonsense. Um, and unfortunately, when you're young, uh, you know, you're left with an impression of Christianity, uh, you know, and I really want to emphasize this, you're left with an understanding of Christianity, which emphatically is not Christianity. It's not faith. You, you're not taught what faith is. You're not taught that you can actually pray for faith. You're not really, you, and you're just left with this understanding wherein actually, if that is what Christianity was, then yeah, it would make no, absolutely no sense that anyone would follow it. So, you know, why would you? So, you're left with the relative vision of things. You're left with the, the, the relative version of truth that the modern world uh, gives, which is very individualistic, very subjective. Truth is relative. You know, truth is the truth that you have found and it's really adheres itself to political or cultural norms of the day. Okay. Um, and, and the scientific norms of the day. So what this leaves you with once you've been imbued with these modern um modern values of the best thing in life is simply you know you go you go through school you then get a job you then get a car you then get a, a rent a place then you get a girlfriend then you get a house then you then you just go on holidays for the rest of your life and maybe buy a big tv then you get a faster car a bigger house keep going on holidays go on some mega cruises you know keep, keep pushing pushing the existential meaning of the fact you're actually alive away keep doing this keep doing this and oh wow and then we get to retirement and we get to just 
do what we want, right? It's like it's it's hyper infantile inf, infantilization. In yeah, infantilization, turning everyone into infants, basically, where the the, the primary reason for existence, the, the meaning that people are taught to find in their lives is to do with um, free time, fun time, okay? And and this is entirely imbued within the modern attitude, within all educators, and that attitude is then passed off into the personalities of young people. You know, you have countless teachers basically being transparent in the fact that they find their jobs miserable, that they're, oh, I can't wait for the weekend, right? And this whole, oh no, it's Monday again, okay? So this whole attitude of the best thing in life is just this free time where we do what we want, and we have fun and we enjoy things, but we don't have these higher responsibilities is really what is being crystallized into a lot of young people. It's definitely crystallized into me. And I think for, unfortunately for a lot of people, this can actually just hold for most of your life. You, 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 I think it doesn't hold for as long as the modern world wished it could, because I do believe that it only really holds for about 50 years. You know, we have the whole midlife crisis thing or you find actually that people accelerate this worldview to the point where you, you're almost taking fun to the extra to the extreme. Okay, so you just start going on more holidays. You do like extreme sports. You you, you search out the most bizarre cuisines. You take on all these various hobbies, but you, you still don't really have a, a rooted reason, a, a rooted reason or value system as to why you do anything at all. Okay, so once you once you rip out value systems, once you rip out truths um, which have been passed down um, for, for millennia literally once you rip out these truths because we're the modern world and we know everything that is right of course then it actually does make sense that once you're left with this void well why would you go for anything else other than fun and enjoyment because nothing else means anything so the only purpose you would really have is well that feels good so I might as well just keep doing that unfortunately um, that doesn't really last all that long um, so what people tend to do is is you pry into all these questions and this is really the the, the crisis of modernity which Nietzsche spoke 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 about and wrote about which I'll get to but what I really want to outline from this position where the truth 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 of, of a fundamental value system has been ripped out you're entered into relative truth of the modern world where they say well you know they don't really explicitly say it but like okay well that's gone but we've got this other thing we've got holidays and we've got all this other nonsense that you can you can partake in Okay, what you're entering into here is a discussion of two types of atheism, which um, I define as atheism, where the A is still attached, atheism, and A-theism, A-theism. So really this begins from the position of an inquisitive human being. And I'd like to think that most most human beings are inquisitive of like, oh, I'm alive, you know, there's my hand. This is all very weird. Why am, you know, I think it's completely natural for humans to have those questions of why am I alive? What's the purpose of my life? What's the meaning of life? All these very stereotypical um, philosophical questions, which, which you begin to think about in your teenage years, especially in a very highly educated um, world, such as the Western world, where you, almost you, you, the, the problem is you you're given the you're given the means to think about these things but actually no one really um has any answers not that necessarily answers are the answer but no one really has a means to to push that that discussion any further than that just that first sort of tertiary glance at the questions now what happens once this this you, there's two routes that i see um so 
you know, there's a, there's a few things which have happened, basically. You're born into the Western world. You're given this form of education, which I spoke about, such as I was. Maybe you want. I don't know. But this is the one. This is, I'm just talking about my own experience. And I know this is the experience of many of my friends as well. You're sort of, you're taught religion and faith in these things in a way which they are not. So you've, you've begun from this, oh, well, I understand that. And it's just silly. It's just silly, archaic nonsense. So throw that away. Anyone who does it is silly. From there, you have two positions, right? You have... You have atheism. Um, now, you have atheism and atheism, as I define them. Now, atheism is really the understanding. If you're someone who's asking these philosophical questions, why am I here? What what are we doing? You know, what's the purpose of life? Atheism is really uh, is 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 taking up a stance, as Nietzsche did, as to say, well, if you begin from that idea of Christ, you know, religion is this silly, archaic thing, then your duty then as someone thinking, of course. And we see this with writers such as Voltaire or the New Atheists or Nietzsche, etc., is to say, well, actually, um, you know, post-death of God, what we've got to do is really answer the question of what to fill that. How do we how do we begin now? Okay, so to go this, we can turn to Nietzsche. Okay, so when Nietzsche says, when Nietzsche says, or writes in the spoke Zarathustra. God is dead and it is we who have killed him. Um, the way I was taught to really think about this and, and the way that's, that's sort of the very entry level way to think about this is just to replace the word God with Christendom. So Christendom is dead and we have killed him or it. Okay. What does that mean? It means, it means we're in, a, we're in a world where Christendom is dead. The ethics, the etiquette, the values, the truths, which were all once taken for granted are completely gone and we all know it. Okay, so with my talk that I did with Paul Bishop on Nietzsche's The Antichrist, one thing to emphasize about Nietzsche and the modern crisis is that it isn't necessarily to do with whether or not God is real, though the the non-existence of God is somewhat default sort of taken for granted from people in this position. It's more to do with not the fact that there is nothing to believe in, as they, you know, atheism. It's to do with the fact that we can't believe. Okay, we, we, we're overeducated. We live in such a world where we've moved beyond this. We live in the modern world with all its progress and innovation and all that. We can no longer believe. So atheism, the position of atheism, really has to take up the banner and say, well, okay, but we can't just live in some chaotic world where we don't have any values or systems um, or etiquette or ethics or things like this. And so you end up with... You end up with humanism, you end up with various other strains of thought which are trying to replace that supposed void which has been left by the death of God. Now, so ultimately the position here is of people who are asking questions of what it is to be human, what it, what is meaning, what is the meaning of life, what am I to do? After God is dead, after that it's been accepted that there is there is no such thing or, you know, we, we don't do that anymore. It's just some archaic, archaic uh, hope that people had in a in a dumber time, as we like to think of ourselves. The position is, is oh, well, we need to deal with this. You know, we can't just let it lie. And so you, you have to start thinking about it seriously and trying to find ways to um, anchor yourself and vector yourself in the world to still live in a moral um, way. Do I think now, do I think that can be done? No, I don't think that can be done. 
Um, and if you say, well, what are you saying? People can't be moral without God. I would say my argument, my answer to that would be, no, they can't. And they don't realize that the morality that they have, those pangs of conscience, were were written there on their conscience by God already. But we're not going to get into those arguments here. Though there is many books which would dispel pretty much all of the atheist arguments. And there isn't much argu atheist argumentation in the books by prominent atheists, okay? And I've been there. <laughs> anyway, so that's one route. And I think, and, and quite uh, controversially, I would say, I think it's the better route of the two, but unfortunately, it's the less common route. What's the more common route? Atheism, A-theism. Or some people call it apathyism, but I actually think it really shouldn't even have a name. Because what happens, as I said right at the beginning of this video, there is no such thing as a vacuum for human nature. There has to be something that is the the, the foundation of belief and why we do things. Um, any psychological literature will make it clear that humans have to have reasons to do things. Otherwise, they just completely flatline and, and you know, once the hope's out of the bag, or once all hope's gone, humans tend to just sit down and die. Um, there's a lot of psychological literature on that. But atheism is really just the acceptance of that modern education and just a default acceptance without ever thinking about the questions and just by default accepting the presumptions that are given to you by the modern materialist world. That's more dangerous because in that sense, you're no longer even in the argument. You no longer even let anything else in because it's already always been figured out because you've got all these like materialist reasons and, 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 and cornerstones to, to, to get to. Unfortunately, I don't think it really fulfills anyone and they get to a certain age and, and, and problems, problems arise where you have breakdowns, breakdowns of and a lot of health issues. I think in the world are really to do with this. It's because that. It's because that people are uh, transparently seeing through this atheism at a younger and younger age. Um, and this is probably what's spiraling out more of the mental health crisis is ultimately the question of, well, why, why should we continue to exist and live if there is no fundamental meaning to do so? And, and that is a completely understandable position. Really, we're living in the age where the modern crisis, as put forward by Nietzsche, I think is accelerated to a degree we didn't, I, I don't know, maybe some philosophers thought we'd see it. I'm not sure about Nietzsche, but it's accelerated to a degree where younger and younger people are, are, are understanding that, that way of things. The problem is, however, that I want to emphasize is that they are understanding that way of things from an edu from an education where religion, faith and, and, and grace and these things and God are misunderstood, but they believe they understand them as I did. So something is very badly taught. They take that thing, they take the bad, uh, just completely, like literally completely wrong education of religion as what religion is and then they begin thought forward and so the problem that you have is that as you're moving forward trying to figure out this crisis of meaning maybe becoming anxious and depressed and despairing in the meantime is that the the option would always be well what about what about god you know that people have found hope and and um hope and a beacon of light in God and, and, and a reason to live in God for centuries, you know, millennia. Um, but the problem is, of course, is that if you've been taught and educated in such a way that you have a misconception, a complete misconception of what Christianity is altogether, then when you look to that thing, you, you believe you already know what it is. And so, you're, well, I know what that is. No, that's useless. But you're left with no other, you're left with no other, you really are no other paths because the, the only other path is the modern one, which is relative. 
And as far as I'm concerned, if truth is relative, then it's not any truth at all. So as per many, many saints, but most emphatically St. John of the Cross, there is really one decision, decision. There is one decision for men and women in their entire lives. There is one decision. There is only really one that counts. And, and, it, and it is very binary. It's very black and white. And that's between God and nothingness. Because you either have the objective truths and value systems of God, or you enter into this relative truth and everything's relative. And if everything's relative, then nothing means anything and it's nihilism. And that's where I ended up, of course. Of course, that's where I ended up. So, you know, I enter into um, and become a, become a young teenager uh, with this knowledge. And of course, when you're, you're a young teenager, you maybe likes to think about ideas as well. Not only does religion, you think, well, I've done religion. I know what that's all about. You know, at thirteen, yeah, I know what that, I know what that's all about. I know what those two thousand years of history are all about. You know, thirteen-year-old me, like, oh yeah, I get it. I understand it better than better than yeah, pff, Thomas Aquinas. What you think you know more than me? That's what you like when you're thirteen, and of course, um, you you enter into that. You enter into that as a teenager as well. So you're like super confident about it, and. Um, unfortunately for me, or maybe fortunately in a way, I mean, I guess it's fortunately because grace meant I ended up where I am now. Um, there was the era, there was the, the really the era of new atheism with, um, the four horsemen of the, the, what was it? Four horsemen of the counter apocalypse or the atheist apocalypse. I can't remember. Uh, anyway, Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, uh, Daniel Dennett and Sam Harris. Um, I read, I read everything Hitchens wrote. And I read a lot of Dawkins and I read Sam Harris. For the life of me now, I can't remember a single thing that, that they, that they really contributed, but it was more to do with, um, is, is to do with like doubling down, right? You, you, you believe it's good because just because you're reading it. As far as I can recall, God is not great, which is really like the pinnacle new atheist text by Christopher Hitchens. Um, it was just entirely ad hominem. I don't think it really had any theological argumentation other than like, well, we can't see God, so he isn't real. But I'm not dealing with argue, uh, the actual argumentation here. I'm just trying to deal with that leap. So, yeah, I was a new atheist at that age. I mean, I was a new atheist at about 13 um, through to 17. I was fairly militant about it, which, I, you know, I don't think it's uncommon. A lot of people go through that phase. <laughs> um, and then, yeah. And so, but, but the problem is, as I said, people in the modern world are finding sooner and sooner and younger and younger and, and really young, I believe, they are they're coming face to face with um the problem of the problem of nihilism the problem of relative truth and also i believe educators um and a general cultural motivation and and we could say thought leaders are ultimately coming um head to head with this problem of motivation responsibility um joy and meaning, ultimately meaning and value in relation to the problem of relativism and the problem of nihilism. Once again, it goes back to that decision between God and nothingness, God and nihilism. Problem with nihilism, however, is that if if everything, you know, I, I go off the definition of nihilism that nothing has any inherent meaning. Everything is meaningless. Okay, that's my definition of nihilism, just to put it out there. If someone wants to say that that's there's a different definition of nihilism. I'm open to hearing it, but as I understand it, nihilism, nihil, nothingness. Um, nihilism is that everything is inherently meaningless. Um, now, many people then take nihilism to mean like you should become 
for some reason, this always happens, by the way. Nihilists are always bleak people. Like, oh, nothing's meaning. But if everything, if nothing means anything, then equally your misery in the face of that situation means nothing either, right? But they're always these miserable, boring, edgy people. You know, for instance, if, if everything's meaningless and nothing means anything, then lifting weights and getting fit is just as meaningless as not lifting weights and getting fat, okay? Um... You know, building a family and having children is just as meaningless as becoming a drunk and just being selfish, okay? You know, they're just as meaningless. If nothing has meaning, then nothing has meaning, okay? There's no way around that. The problem with nothing having meaning is, well, there's not really any reason to do anything. Um, and people can try, throw in reasons as to do anything like self-respect. What's self-respect? If everything's meaningless, why, what is it to respect the self? And everything just begins to crumble. And, you know, Nietzsche was completely on the money. And this is the modern crisis that we're dealing with. Unfortunately, you know, when you're dealing with this at younger and younger ages, you, you're entering into life with that. So you don't even, you don't even have any impetus or motivation to really do anything. Unfortunately, it hadn't really set root that much when when i was younger um i was fairly adamant on like you know the philosophy stuff trying to find find answers to things and trying to find if there was you know like a purpose or why 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 should we do this why are we all here what what's going on um so it's about 17 um and then 18 i was through to university and i know in university i was still fairly on the atheist anti-theist train i sort of like many people you see religion as as as, as the big problem you know like if we just got rid of religion everything would be everything would be fine even though you know some of the most violent and horrible regimes in history um have been entirely godless um but so you know some of the most violent horrible regimes have done so in the name of god it turns out humans are just not all that nice when they get power um but it so you you that's that's where I was at eighteen, right? It's it's like well everything's sort of meaningless, and you keep trying to keep jumping on things, trying to find meaning, and most of the time, most most people I think turn to drink or drugs or whatever at this this at this juncture in their life, and probably don't put it down to that. But ultimately, humans need meaning; they need purpose. Otherwise, you just can't really go go forward. And the material world, as I've said, has um, gamified purpose and value, and it's done so quite drastically because I think it understands these problems and so you have things such as credentials awards stepping stones right it's like you've done school right now you've done this year and this year and this year now you do college now you do university then you get your junior job but then you rent somewhere right and you have all these stepping stones and these stepping stones sort of see you through but all the time there is there is no real uh coherent uh deep or rooted or really i should say coming from above value system as to why you're doing anything at all and you know at this point a lot of people myself included i got interested in philosophy so you know fresh out of uni still still atheistic but at this point not militant about it i just fallen into like well it just doesn't matter people are going to do that if they want to do that um and so yeah fresh out of um fresh out of university took a year out complete nihilist what's the point just get a job, carry on, do whatever, right? Reading philosophy. I got into continental philosophy course um, at Staffordshire, which was great. Still very nihilistic. Still just really interested in philosophy just because like, well, you know, let's just keep going. Let's see what happens. And this was really my where my interest in accelerationism came from. It's because for me, the question was, well, if, if, 
at that point, I hadn't really solidified the fact that the question is between God and nothingness. For me, it was like, well, there is nothingness, right? Once again, I was just coming at it from one side because I didn't have the understanding to understand the other side. And so the question really for nihilism for me was like, well, what if, we, if we're just going to be nihilistic, like what happens when you speed up nihilism? And what is it to speed up meaninglessness? And that for me was accelerationism because accelerationism was all about like, ultimately for me, accelerationism is hyper nihilism. Okay, it's, it's the godless machinic world uh, without bereft of that Bergsonian hu humanism, bereft of any human elements, uh, bereft of any divine elements, sacred elements, uh, accelerated for its own sake. Like what happens? And normally what happens is really just insanity. Humans end up being sort of just meat in the thresher and, and it still doesn't really go anywhere, especially not for man. And so that was really where I was at, right? It's like, well, I've pushed, if you've, 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 you've hypothetically push nihilism to its limit and nothing's happened. It can't ever happen because any meaning that is created in the system is immediately subsumed back into the system because it doesn't have meaning. Any structures that you build aren't structures, they're meaningless. So you can't ever have anything. It's just, it's infinitely impotent. Nothing can happen there. Um, and so it's, it's like, it's peculiar, right? Like how, how do you, how do you even begin to move from that position? And, um, I think ultimately from that position, you, you, it, it sort of just keeps going on long enough that there's a point of fatigue, a point of like internal fatigue where you, you begin searching quite, quite drastically. You begin searching, um, almost frantically. So for me, you know, a lot of it was like the modern secular versions of Buddhism because I thought, well, maybe that, maybe there's, maybe there's something in something which isn't you know, the whole spiritual, but not religious. And I wasn't, it wasn't a God at this point, but it was like, okay, maybe there's something more, the whole something more thing. And, 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 and the writings around, um, Nick Land and Immanuel Kant, some idea of an outside definitely imbued, like imbued this idea at this point that, that there's a lot of peculiar stuff that happens in the universe. And maybe there is some other type of outside. Okay, what, what Kant would call like the, the noumena, the thing in itself, right? So you have phenomena, uh, sense data, but because it's only a representation of that sense data and you're not getting to the noumena, then what's that noumena, right? Maybe we could get to that. Maybe everything is still completely imminent within the universe, but there is this like, um, un, uh, this, this, this bit that we, we can't get to as human beings. So that was, that was like where I began with that, right? So you start jumping around trying to search for whatever, really, what, like, you know, it's almost like a desperation. So, you know, I was jumping to like the, the, the sort of modern Buddhism things. Um, and, and I slowly got more and more interested in, in mysticism, um, just general mysticism at the start, thinking like, well, this is cool to read. There's some really weird stuff going on here. You know, all the peculiar books around, I don't know, UFOs or uh, sorcery or magic or whatever, right? Because this is what happens with nihilism. This is what happens with nihilism. You get to a point where you, you you have to find something. You have to find something. You can't just keep going on like that. Um, and it's what worries me about the modern world. It's because a lot of people are going to. And it's often because of that bad education right at the very beginning, which really take, took root. So, you know, from mysticism, as you can probably imagine, um, you know, meditation, whatever it was, you know, it started out with meditation. And then I went through to, I think I was studying Franz Bardon's initiation into hermetics. I was like, all right, well, 
you know, if nothing means anything, we might as well just give this a go. Like, this is really interesting. Uh, and it was through initiation into hermetics, which is actually a fairly tepid, tepid path. Um, but it was through that stuff that I basically had the internal realization that evil exists, that there is a palpable evil in the world and it, and it exists as a separate entity and it's completely there. Um, and that is probably the bit where the leap in very minor form happened right at the beginning. That was the leap, the realization of evil. And of course, there's always going to be a problem with me explaining this because that internal understanding of it is never going to be able to be conveyed, though I did certainly try and be not afraid. So if this resonates with you in some sense, then, you know, that might be the thing, that might be the path that's happening, unfolding. But this is these internal, these small internal things, but it still took a while. And so you know, that, that realization of evil, that realization that, the, okay, there's something, something's going on, uh, led me, led me still around mysticism for a while and then away. And I just gave up on everything. Like I was like, you know, not, not depressed or anything like that, but just like, okay, I don't want to go near mysticism because evil exists. I don't want to go back near that again. You know, I don't want anything to do with that. Um, and then, you know, I took some time out from it and, and then I started reading it all again. And, and funnily enough, as many of you will know, well know with the podcast, I did a, a talk on the work of George Gurdjieff with, um, Father Joseph Azizi, actually. Um, and I read In Search of the Miraculous and also Azizi's book on Gurdjieff. And it, to be fair, it could have really been anyone. I think there's quite a few figures that might lead you to God. But Gurdjieff had this emphasis on, on, he had a way of approaching it for me, which worked for me. And it might not work for anyone. I don't really want to focus on Gurdjieff all, all that much, but it was certainly Gurdjieff's work. And there was a, there's a quote in Gurdjieff somewhere where he says that his ultimate task is to um is to lead someone to their religion and he's sort of a perennialist not not uh not as a genon tradition but he's of that idea that maybe we are worshiping the same god sort of thing not that something i'd agree with now but um you know that idea and 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 ultimately his his approach to christ and uh, basically the most important thing that, that people can do is what reading gurdjieff led me to understand is that I'd completely misunderstood Christianity. I hadn't just misunderstood it. I'd never understood it in the first place. There wasn't anything there to misunderstand because I was like, oh, hang on. This isn't what I was taught. This isn't my understanding of this. And it's not, and also I would, I would be quick to emphasize there as well that the new atheists don't understand it either. They don't, they begin from the atheist presumptions of what Christianity is, as opposed to actually beginning with Christianity. So I was like, okay, that's strange. I, you know, I, I, that's completely not what I thought Christianity was. So it was being taught to me properly. You know, it was being taught to me allegorically. It was being taught to me beautifully. Uh, I was beginning with the Gospels and things like this. So there I went through to C.S. Lewis, um, read a lot of C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity, all his religious books. Um, there's a great little box set of them, which I think is a great start for anyone. And then I read some Seraphim Rose. I read some Thomas Merton. And at that point, it was, you know, it was solidified, but you know, what happened to, what happened to move over? Uh, did you know, to ha what happened to have that final, like, okay, you believe in God now, right? That's the bit that everyone knows. Like, well, how, what happened to just not believing and then believing? It doesn't really happen overnight, um, but it's a grace, which we'll, I'll get to in the talks if people are interested in them. But really what I did was somewhere along the line, someone mentioned the fact that you can you can pray for for faith you can pray to have faith 
you can pray to God to say, I'm struggling to believe, you know, give me faith. And that's what I did. I said a very simple prayer. Um, basically pray and say, look, I really want to believe, you know, I think I'm there. But and I would always say now that if people are at that point where they go, I really wish I could believe, it's like you, you don't realize how close you are. Uh, you know, saying I really wish I could believe is so close to just believing. Um, faith is a leap. Faith is faith. It is a leap. And that's what I did. And and, and it's a fairly sharp, it, well, for me, it was. It was a fairly sharp day and night move after that prayer not immediately but like the next day it was like you just know and so that's really that's really is the journey that's what happened but um and that and that's how you begin believing in god it's very subtle it's very delicate and then you just keep it up faith is something that has to be kept up it's not you know it's work it's it's hard work to be a christian um why catholicism is always the question i get asked uh for, the 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 the, the answer for me is that I know Catholicism is true in my heart. Um, I could probably go into that in way more detail in another talk. Um, I do agree with obviously all the Catholic teaching regarding the history and regarding Peter being the rock. Um, but you know, yeah, you know that that's something that people will probably find for themselves. But the, the thing I really want to emphasize is that that the modern world is an anomaly. It really is an anomaly. The last hundred years are an anomaly of human history. We have always believed in God. Um, we have always had faith. We've always understood that there is a divine. Um, now, even the Catholic Church was saying, well, just because loads of people believe something is not an argument for it. Uh, an argument from, I can't remember what the Latin for it is, but an argument from popularity isn't an argument. And even the Catholic Church would, 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 would agree with that. Um, you know, fideism, right? The idea that you just just believe it, you don't need an argument for God, it's just faith, is is technically a heresy. You know, you need to have these reasoned arguments. And there are there are many great ones which the new atheists have never once, as far as I can see, actually spent the time to to address. But that's another thing altogether. But the, the thing I want to emphasize is that, yeah, the modern world is an anomaly. The last 100 years are an anomaly. I, th I do believe we're, we're sort of at the end of that era and, and spirituality is coming back because ultimately people are getting to this point to metaphorically, you know, the, the idea of that single prayer to pray to God for faith, which I've, which I just spoke about. Metaphorically, I believe, as a West, especially a Western culture, we're getting to the point where people are going to be saying that prayer out of, um, possibly from almost like the wrong place, out of almost like a desperation. But whether or not that is the wrong place, I don't know. I don't think there ever, maybe there can't ever be a wrong place. But um, people are getting to that point, I think, naturally, because uh, the more you the more you speed up and the more you push nihilism, the more it like eats itself and the more people will will return to God. You know, as Augustine says, it's a retreat to God. And that's not a bad thing because you're just retreating home. You're retreating to where you where you, where you should have been all along uh, and where feels right. And and the the values of the modern world just just are worth naught in the in the face of all of that um but it's it's a it's a beautiful journey it's a, it's a strange journey when you look back and all of this makes sense to me as i look back and realize how that journey happened but it's all grace uh, and then faith comes later um and but th this is a just a short overview of my own history of how i how i came back to well i was never even baptized so how i how i entered 
you know, entered the church from the from a position of of nihilism, and that's really that's the journey. And it seems quite simple now, but it's all t- the, the the big hurdle is the modern world is 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 um, uprooting and purging out the presumptions which have been afforded to you by the modern world, which are absolutely malevolent and malicious and and are worth nothing. They're worth nothing. You know, if you have that feeling of like, well, why are we even doing this? You know, what 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 what's what's the point? As far as I'm concerned, from the from the position of the modern world, that from the position of the modern world's presumptions, that idea of like, why are we even doing this? Nothing's what's the point? Completely understandable. And in fact, well, that is the modern world's position. Because the modern world in um in revering the individual and the subjective individual's personal wants, desires as the ultimate aim of all things, ultimately um, falls into complete like hyper subjectivism. And therefore it also can't denounce the fact that someone might say, what is the point? I think more and more um, institutions are coming, you know, coming to blows with the fact of having to deal with huge motivational uh, crises. Um, and huge problems of how do you even get people to do things when there is nothing? Um, because the modern world for a while had enough resources to hold up its end of its crummy bargain. Okay. It could offer you enough stepping stones, but as the world and the modern world falls away of its own problems, resource problems, wars, politics, as we get back to the natural state of things away from the anomaly of prosperity that we've had for the past 40, 50 years, maybe since the seventies, once we fall and we finally fall away from that anomaly, poverty is the norm, by the way, not prosperity. We get back to the natural state of things. We get back to the, the fact that the world isn't all there is. The world is, you know, we've tr- we've we've created this Tower of Babel for the past fifty years, and we've really tried to put everything into holding it up. And what did it last? Fifty years. Some people were so imbued and integrated into it that they'll never be able to know anything else, which is very sad. But most other people just entering back into the long cycle of history, which is full of poverty and and you know, but it's also full of joy, and it's full of the ups and downs of being a human, but it's also full of faith. And it's full of God. And now we're entering into a time where we no longer have the resources to upkeep distractions good enough to keep people away from God for a whole lifetime. And that takes a lot of work. We get back to the natural state of things, which is people realizing that there is there is more to the world. And I think for a lot of people, and the reason I, looking back, the reason I wrote so much about modernity is that as you get closer to God and as you move towards God, you find that the world falls away. Um, you know, you're, you're going up, the world's moving away from you in a way. You can put it that way. Um, yeah, as you move closer to God, the world falls away. And I would say that's almost like one-to-one, like the more you move to God, the more the world falls away. And I think what's happening for a lot of people as, as nihilism has imbued itself as the ultimate value of culture, which isn't a value because it's nothing. What happens is, well, if everything's meaningless, then the world is also meaningless. But what that means is then people fall away from the world but they have nowhere to fall to. And so they're just free falling. And that's why the world's going mad is because, well, if everything's meaningless, then the world's meaningless, but you have nowhere else to go. And finally, we're moving away from a position where, you know, we're moving, I do believe, uh, I'm seeing it at least in a lot of young people that younger and younger as well as I emphasized that 
there is um there is a craving for there is a craving for God, which is completely natural. But the modern world has done so much to try quash it and to try eradicate it and to try disprove it via very bad reasoning. And more and more people are becoming the beautiful thing in a way is that the journey to God sometimes begins it did for me in 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 that understanding of like um if you're beginning from that nihilism and the world just begins to move to mean nothing well you can't just exist on a world that means nothing and as the world falls away it's a lot easier for god to come to you um and for a lot of people they're just not that interested in the world anymore okay the modern world offers the average person more than any prince of old okay you can Go get any cuisine you want. You can go anywhere in the world, like super cheap. You can, you, you know, you can sleep on like the comfiest bed. You can watch the best entertainment. You can have, you know, if you earn an average wage, you can, you can live like a king and everyone can do this, but actually that's not that great for humans. Um, and, you know, you have this absolute abundance of everything and yet it hasn't answered anything. You know, people have done everything that they were told to do in terms of what makes life meaningful and makes it work. Go to school, get a credential, get an award, get a job, get a better job, get an even better job, go on holiday, get a car, get a faster car, do up your kitchen, blah, blah, blah. People have found sooner and sooner because of the abundance and wealth of the world that um, they've they've done everything the world has asked for of them. They've done everything that education and their leaders and institutes have told them would make them happy and content. And they've found at the end of that, that they are not happy and content. And they've found that however many cycles of that they go through, that actually they're less and less content every single time. But because of the way they've been taught religion and taught about God, they have nowhere to go. And so often they just double down or sometimes they have breakdowns. And, you know, I'm, I'm here to say that, like, I almost, I would say that just in my personal journey, I sort of like stuck a dagger in the cycle and said, I can't, you know, once you see that cycle for what it is, get a bigger house, get a bigger house, get a bigger house, get a better job, get a better job, blah, 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 blah. Once you see that for what it is, you're like, well, what's the point? Where, what, like, what, what is all this for? Hey, you could have a family, but without God, I mean, that you're just entering, you're all entering into the same cycle again and again and again. What's that for? And what I would really emphasize for people is is just to just take that step back, pu- push away your presumptions of what God is, because I've been there. I've been a militant Christopher Hitchens reading atheist, anti-theist. I've been there. I've been a nihilist, and uh, I've never been happier than when I, I you know, than I am now. Never been happier. Never been more content than I am now. It's so much beauty, and all it really took was just to push away the presumptions that had been afforded to me and read a few books you know if you needed suggestions mere christianity by c.s lewis nihilism uh by father seraphim rose uh the seventh story mountain by thomas merton and um this book why i'm a christian is very good orthodoxy by chesterton it's great this so this is a wealth of literature and if you want to understand it like you go okay well i want to understand what well, the theology, very big, you know, uh, uh, Sheed's um, beginners, uh, Theology for Beginners, fantastic. Uh, anything, Fulton Sheen's Life of Christ. I mean, there's so many books. There's so many books. But it all starts with just that 
it all starts with that openness. It starts with that acceptance of looking at your life and looking maybe, you know, I'm 28. I feel like I'm sort of lucky that I've done it at this age. Um, you know, I don't begrudge the journey at all. It's clearly what had to happen. But it's, um, yeah, looking at that cycle and looking at everything you've got and, and really saying, well, am I, am I as content and as happy and where I want to be internally as what was sort of promised to me? You know, is this whole system that sort of promised me this great contentful end, has it, has it really paid off in any qualitative sense or is this all just quantity? And it's to step back from that just have a discussion with yourself, uh, look around the world sincerely and be like, okay, well, let's, let's see, let's look into this. Maybe read one of those books and then just, just say the single prayer. That's all I'd ask. Say the single prayer, just praying for faith. Because I think that's what happens at the end of the day is, as I've said, with the nihilism, with the materialism, it's, there's nowhere to go. And so you end up either in this position, you, you, you end up really, you know, the, you, you end up know what you are nowhere. Uh, that's the problem with the nihilism is you're nowhere. And so you've got nowhere to go. You got no, there is no above. Then everything's meaningless. There's no above. There's no left. There's no right. There's no down. There's nothing like that. And that isn't how things are. It simply isn't how things are. And it begins with, rem, you know, removing out all that dirt from the, to use a metaphor, removing all the rust and rubbish from the machine, which is taught to you. Uh, badly when you were younger or, or even maybe not even taught you and you've just had this assumption of what Christianity is from the media and then investigating it yourself patiently, calmly. You know, it's it, it's there. It wants, God's there. It wants to help, right? Um, and, and one of the peculiar things which was never taught to me, which I think is so important, is that it's not just you looking for God, right? Not It's not just you looking for what you could also say is the answer for contentment, for meaning, for purpose, for value. It's not just that. Because also God is looking for you. Right? He wants you to come home as well. Maybe more so than you want to go home. I mean, that's all he's ever wanted. And if you take one step to him, he'll take a hundred towards you. But it's just a it's a case of digging up the presumptions um, and, and, having, and really having a a heart to heart with the modern world and looking at it in the face and saying, look, you promised me a lot and I'm 30 years in now and I've done everything I was told by all the institutions and this materialist religion of yours, it, it, it ain't working. Look around. All right. Like it ain't working at all. People are miserable. Um, depression and mental health rates are skyrocketing. Um, obesity rates are skyrocketing, general health crises, um, lots of aggression, hostility. None of this is working. Um, and it's a case of looking around and saying, well, what, what exactly is it that I've agreed to here? What, what are my default presumptions regarding all of this? Where do they come from? And uh, yeah, just pushing them to one side, even for a bit. And if afterwards, if, if afterwards you, you, you don't find something, you don't, you don't get closer to God, Fair enough, you know, but, um, you know, I've been there. I've been <laughs> through the ringer of new atheism and modernity and all that stuff. And it doesn't, it doesn't bring you anything. And I guess if you're feeling like a lot of people, I, I just get the sense that a lot of pe people are feeling this way, that the, the, that the world hasn't really got much to offer you anymore. Then of course you're in that bind that I myself found myself in. It's like, 
well, the world hasn't really got that much to offer me. Like I'm, I'm sort of bored of, um, you know, I love ideas. I love the big ideas. I love philosophy, but in terms of what the world is currently offering me in terms of culture, technology, uh, innovation, all this progress, all that stuff, nah, like, there's nothing there anymore. But you're also in that problem of like, but, but where then do I go? And the, the answer is already there. It's been there throughout history. Um, but you just possibly just taught it badly like myself. You know, my journey is nothing special. Um, you know, looking back, it seems all drastic. Nihilist to Catholic, it seems drastic, but it's not. You know, it's a very gentle journey. It was for me. Um, but that all said, uh, if this has interested you, and, you know, I'll probably try and make the talks in the Introduction to Christianity series, I'll probably try and make them, uh, put them in relation to the modern world as well, just to help people through. Um, if this is something that, this, if this talk has interested you, and it's something you might think, oh, okay, I'll, I, I wouldn't mind taking part in that and just sitting along. You don't have to talk or anything like that. Um, then please comment or email me uh, or whatever or get in contact with me in some way and say, yeah, I'd be interested in that. And I'll, if enough people do, then I'll um, find a way where we can meet up and maybe then I'll do like a 30-minute talk on Grace and then we can all chat. I mean, I think that would be a good way to do it. But um, yeah, I hope, you've in, I hope you've all enjoyed this. I'm not trying to... I'm not, I'm genuinely actually not trying to convert anyone. Uh, my main point is that I've come from the nihilistic modern background and I know how miserable that is. And I know how joy-filled my life is now. And, and I, not always, I'm not, I'm not like skipping around the place, but I know how, how, just how much more peaceful things are now and how much more meaning things have. Um, and so really I'm sort of, coming at it mainly from that angle and you know i'm not going to stop doing the other talks on the podcast it's not all going to become to do with catholicism this is this whole other thing but more and more people have asked me about this this journey so i wanted to do a video about it um and yeah hopefully this series will get done and it'll it'll uh, at least um educate a few more people into you know what exactly christianity is because it's, it's a long journey it's a long journey and it's a beautiful journey but um thank you all for thank you all for listening and yeah, if you're if you're interested, then comment or or message me in some form. Cool. Thanks guys.